Would you pray with me? As I stood here worshiping you, I felt just at a loss for words. I'm not sure if that's how anyone else feels here today. I am just struck by you, your loving kindness, your humility, your sacrifice, your pursuit of us, just all the ways that you love us every, every single day. I'm just struck. I'm struck by what you're inviting us into today. A way of thinking, a way of seeing, a way of living. What you have been invited into, it's, it's hard to grasp. And that's why I love it. Because you are God. You are God. And we are not. And that is good. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples? If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can have a seat. While I'm walking this way, I'm going to invite you to get your Bibles out. We're going to jump in here in a moment. We're going to be in Philippians. We're in Philippians for a long time, like Alan said, all summer, pretty much. And we're going to be in a couple of verses. So the page is 1,163. In the Spanish Bible, it's 1,012. Be verses, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. And where we're going there, I just want to remind you, so I keep reminding myself uh, where we've been and where we're going. Uh, Lent, seven weeks, lives Jesus changed. People have encounters with Jesus, experience him, his person, who he is. It changes everything. Then we talked about the I am statements of Jesus. This is who he is, who he always will be. I am, he said. I am means that's who I have been, who I will be, and who I am today. It's like the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am what sustains you. I am what you need to survive, what you need to live. I have been, I will be, and I am today. Then, because we, now, we, now we know who he is, he's inviting us to think differently, to see the world differently, then to act differently. That's the invitation. So Paul, who wrote this letter we're going to be in today, he had a similar experience to that, right? You know the story. He's on, the, on this road, and he has an encounter. This bright light flashes. He has a moment with Jesus. He meets Jesus. It changes his whole life. If you read Galatians, he goes to figure it out for a while. I think he's probably still being Paul, probably still preaching and teaching, but he goes somewhere to figure out what this means. Who is this Jesus? And now in this letter, and he does for quite some time, he invites us to think and see differently. So Paul has modeled this for us, so we're going to explore what he has to say. All right, so I'm going to read the passage here, and as I do, I want you to tell me, I want you to yell it out when I'm done. What word do we hear a lot of, okay? So I'm actually going to read verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through, I think I'm going to go through 9 and a piece of 11. But the end, what's the word that sticks out? I think you're going to get it. All right, it says this, hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, 
But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Down to verse 11, second half. Paul says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have, is to have plenty. People of God, it's the word of God. What's the word? Whatever. Wow, come on, whatever, that's good, all right. So, I, so what, our job today is to talk about that word. So today, that word is different than we think. So actually, I've got, I've got a slide, slide six. We have to somehow go from it's whatever to it's whatever. So whatever is that today, and over time, all summer, we have to go from whatever being very small to becoming very, very big. So we're talking today about how we think about a word. And there's this quote I like from Dallas Willard, slide five. In this world that we live in, we live at the mercy of our ideas. So how we think is in how we live. So what we think about is incredibly important. So we live at the mercy of our ideas. So it's whatever to it's whatever. So the word of the day, the key word is whatever. All right. So as I was thinking about the word whatever, I had a couple thoughts, slide seven. Um, ways to think about whatever. So I've got these three. Fate, blah, and discontent. All right? So hang with me. So fate. I don't know this song. I did not live at this time. But in the 1950s, a song came out. Last service, a lot of people knew it. It's called like Que Sera Sera. Anyone know the song? Spanish, English. I guess it was beautiful. It was a big song. So but before this, so essentially what happens in this song is that I think it says whatever will be will just be. Whatever it is, just is. And I guess, so before that song came out, you had world wars, you had a Great Depression, all these horrible things are happening, and no one knows why they're happening. This song comes out, and people just kind of gravitate towards it. Yeah, I guess just whatever happens, just happens. I'm here today, I guess enjoy today. I, I don't really know. But that kind of runs counter to what we believe, right? We believe there's a God, an I am, who was, and who will be and who is. So there is a God over all things. So somehow, in some way, he works within all things for good. It's a mystery because there's many bad things. Only he can work through them to do good eternal things, right? So that, 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 that viewpoint of the word whatever would be, we would believe wrong. It's not whatever will be, will be. No, there's a God governing all things. So second word, blah. It's like, you know, someone asks you to do something, like afterwards they say, hey, you want to go up to the scoop later? You're like, I don't know. Is it going to rain? Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. So we think of it in that way. It's kind of a, eh, whatever. I don't care. Blah. Right? That's that way. That's not what Paul's saying either. So that's, that's also the wrong whatever for our passage and for the summer. The third is, I was thinking about this. I never did this as a teenager. My parents asked me to do something. I really did not want to do the thing they wanted me to do. Anyone else? And so instead of saying, yes, I'll do what you say, mom and dad, honor your parents, you go, whatever, whatever, right? It's kind of angsty, like the angsty teenager. 
Also not what Paul's talking about. Very different. It's not those whatevers, okay? So we have to think about whatever in a whole different way. So the word that Paul is using is actually, it's wild, all right? So the word how you would say it is hasas, all right? It's used 115 times in the New Testament and in Greek culture that day, thousands of times. And this word whatever is really positive. It is an inspirational word, right? It is like, whoo! So it would mean in the lexicon, as much as, as long as. So this whatever, whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's right, whatever's noble, it is, it is a limitless word. The extent of the word, we have no idea. It's like you're looking at the horizon and you can't even see how far it could possibly go. So you have no idea. There's, there's no end to what Paul is saying. So whatever, whatever, it's like, I, I don't even know. There is so much truth. If you're in Christ, if you know who he is, there's so much truth. There's so much of what's pure. There's so much, we can't even fathom it. It's like, it's impossible to even know. It's this huge word. And it's exciting. It's inspiring. It's positive. So listen to this verse. If I take the whatever out, it's not nearly as exciting, Okay. So let's just say if I read verse 8 and took, did the first whatever and took the rest of them out. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I mean, it's a good list, right? It's a good list. But when you read it with whatever, and you know that that, mean, mean, that word means like, wow, I have no idea. What could it be? Then I read it, whatever is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It almost makes you pause each time. First time, it's like a list. Second time, with whatever, it's beautiful, it's poetic, but it's like, what could it possibly mean? What could it possibly do? So this summer, we're being invited into thinking about these things, these words, which I think to be different than you think, in a brand new way. And it's, the possibilities are endless, all right? Which will mean we'll have to think differently. At least I have to think differently. And I've been studying this now, right? There's the, the way we think of whatever, now there's this new whatever. So I don't know a lot, but I know enough to know that according to brain science, we can change how we think. There used to be the old saying, can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? Well, you can but when you get older than 25, it gets a lot harder. That's what the science says. When you get past 25, it is harder to think differently. So for a lot of us in the room, we're in some trouble here, right? We're gonna have to work hard to think differently. So what I'm gonna invite you to do, I'm gonna invite you, I hope at the end, I hope I remember this time, to three to four times a week. Psalm 1 says to meditate on the word. This is life-giving. Those who, who meditate, who spend time in, this word, this life-giving word, are like these trees planted by the river, planted by the water, and they grow. Would you meditate on Philippians 4, 8 through 9, three or four times a week? Whenever you spend time with the Lord, just, just sit. And each week you'll learn more and just sit with what you learn. And just sit with what you learn. So we want to start thinking differently. But you see, when I was uh, an athlete back in the day, my coach could tell me things all the time. And I, most of the time, actually my old coach was here last service, and I joked about this, I didn't always do what he had to say, right? But if he could combine what, what he was saying with an action, with doing it, doing something, it helped me. 
So I have an ask of you. It's not a big ask. I know for some, it might put you in a tough spot. But I want you all summer, as you come to church, would you walk through a different door than you usually do, right? We have patterns. We do the same thing. We sit in the same place, right? With this summer, would you just, if you walk through that door, walk through the auditorium door. Or you walk through that door, walk through that door. Maybe park below. And as you do, as you come to church, oh, I gotta, I gotta come through a different door. And why am I doing that again? Oh, because I'm trying to meditate, think about these things. Because if I do, it's gonna change how I think. It's gonna change how I live. What do you think? And then, this is the bottom one's from my dad, just so you know, that wasn't my idea. Would you consider parking further away and walking with someone? And as you do, again, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. So we're trying to create a new way of thinking, and we're coupling thought with some action. Sound good? Can you try it? I'm going to pay attention next week. I know which doors you walk in. I see you coming. So, I was thinking about this, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm over 25. I'm 39, I think. Yeah, 39, yeah. You know, you get older, you forget how old you are sometimes. Uh, but it's harder to think differently. So I actually, so here's a small example, and I'll go with a bigger example, but small one for me. So this week, um, I said this last week, we ought to be coachable people. Remember that I said last week? We should be coachable. We should want to learn, want to change, because we know we need to, because we know Jesus died for us, and we were broken, and we were apart from him. We know we need to grow, right? We know this. We should be coachable. So someone coached me last week, and I was talking to my wife about it, and I was complaining about their coaching, because I was pretty sure I was right, and they were wrong. And my wife listens to me for a while and goes, aren't you supposed to be coachable? I said, you're right. But so it's hard. It's hard because we, I'm right a lot. Is anyone else right a lot? <laughs> and if we're all right, you can't be right. If I'm right, you know how it goes. So that's just an easy example. It, it's hard to think differently because we're kind of set in our ways and what we want. So I'm going to go here. Try this. So in Deuteronomy, so let's go a little bigger. Let's go with a bigger idea. And I know what I'm going to talk about is a complex thing, right? And I'm not saying I know the, I, I, I know the way. But I heard teachers talk about this. So Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 19, the Lord says some words to his people. So thinking differently, being willing to think differently. It's on page 182. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts, and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving them food and clothing. So that's a big cultural topic. What do we, how do we help, how do we love people? And I would say there are Christians who would fall on both sides of that issue. Am I right? I heard a person say this. One of our problems, he thought, and I do this, is I get very stuck on how we fix it. I'm very passionate about how we fix it. And my passion sometimes leads me to be unable to have a conversation with somebody who thinks we should fix it in a different way. He said, but, but, if we all, if we believe in Jesus. If he is my God and he is my king and I have regained my life, you are God and I'm not and I'm glad. If we have two Christians with different ideas, right, and we believe that, he said, what if we start there and we agree 
that we're supposed to do something. Can we start there? Very complex. How do we do it? I'm not, I'm not sure. But he said, but maybe, changing our thinking, if we start there, I wonder if we'll solve it differently. I wonder if we'll love each other as we try to figure it out. But that would require different thinking, right? That's a different posture. You see, the letter that Paul writes, it all kind of centers around Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It's this really famous passage. And in it, Paul says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And it goes on to show Jesus is this, he is the most humble person, right? Jesus is right. This is true. We, I, have a hard time figuring it out. And so he came to help us. He, God, became like me because he wants us to figure it out. It's incredible humility. So to change how we think requires humility. I, I can say this myself, am probably wrong a lot. Am I willing to change? Am I willing to think differently? So we're being invited this whole summer to using this, using his word, all he has to say, spending time with him to know, how do I think? That's the invitation. You see, Paul, um, before this, in my Bible, back to Philippians, verse 4, it calls this what he's about to say an exhortation. So Paul is strongly encouraging. He's urging this church to think in this way. I think he's strongly encouraging us to think. We're trying to think the way that God thinks. See how he thinks. And he says, if we do, if we do, verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. At the end, in verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. And then verse 11, we'll be peaceful people and we'll also know what it means to be content. We'll have learned to be content. So where there's peace, God is with us. That's what peace is. When he is present, we're peaceful. And we will be content. And content's a bit of a bad word, right? Isn't being content not so good? Aren't we supposed to keep trying, keep going, more, 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 more? Yeah, I mean, to a degree. We're supposed to work really hard, for sure. But I was thinking about situations, though, where not practicing contentment actually leads to a bad pathway, a bad way of thinking that actually causes more harm than good. So simple example. I'm sorry for all my basketball analogies. That's how my brain thinks. But when I was growing up, I thought you went to the gym and you shot and you shot and you shot and you shot and you shot. I'm exhausted. Keep shooting. You're, keep shooting. Keep shooting. And then one day, a wise person said, what are you doing? I said, like, is this how I get better? I just keep shooting? He said, no. When you're little, do that. That's when it's fun. But when you want to get good, you don't do that. You shoot till you get it right. And then you leave. Because if you keep shooting and keep shooting and keep shooting, you'll be exhausted. Guess what you'll do? Develop a bad habit. So your elbow will start, you're tired. So you start doing things you shouldn't do. And then because you keep going, you develop that bad habit. So let's take another example. Uh, I like to read. If I read past the point of exhaustion, I can't even remember what I even read, right? Anybody else? Or let's say uh, working hard. We want to work hard. That's in here, right? But what if I always work late and I work late 
and I work late, and I work late, and I work late, what happens? I break my relationships. There is no relationship. Why? Because I'm not even present. So if we learn how to think this way, we become peaceful people, which means we have the presence of God with us. He's, he's with us, so it makes us peaceful, and we know what it means to be content. And so I was, when I think of being content, I think of Genesis 1, where God, Father, Son, and Spirit are making things. They're making things, right? And at the end of each day, what do they say? It's good. The word good there is tov. The word tov is a really interesting word for good. It means, get it here, whatever was done that day, what they did, it enhances the world. It promotes growth in life. It produces more life. It's conducive to more life. So somehow, this way of thinking will become peaceful. We'll be able to be a people who at the end of the day can say, it's good. And the things we have done that day are creating more life. That's what we're hoping to think through and develop in our brains as we consider this passage. Because all the words would be a little bit different than you think. So, hmm. Okay. So I read this as I was studying. So again, we're trying to get back to this whatever. This word whatever is, it's full of possibility. It's full of potential. It, it, there's, there's so much more that we have in, in God, right? His, he is limitless. We cannot fit him in a box. He is so big, and we're so glad. That's the way he is, right? That's why he's God. Well, I read this. This bishop um, was teaching, and uh, he had this teaching, and uh, he said, uh, how should we always think, how we think should always have the shape of the cross. So how we think should always have the shape of the cross. So he does this teaching where he said that a little girl whose daddy's a pastor walks in church and she sees that and she says, Daddy, what's the plus sign doing up there? <laughs> but the same bishop had her a different teaching and I understand what he was doing. He said the cross sign symbolizes the I being crossed out. Right? And I understand that. Like, it's no longer... I who live. No, it's Christ in me. I have died. I've, I, I'm now in him, and we're in this together, right? So I understand the I being crossed out. But this teacher said this. He said, that description implies the cross is a minus sign. So I would submit to you that the cross does not symbolize the minus sign, but the plus sign. Not the I crossed out, but the I stretched up and reaching down, grounding our being, and then up into the infinity of becoming and then out toward as many others as we can. So I was thinking about our sermon series. When you have an encounter with God, when you have an encounter with Jesus, what happens? Our gaze. It's God. Right? Everything's different. The next step is the, the I am's. We're being grounded in who he is. Who he always will be. And then now, this is, as we begin to think differently, he's saying, now go share it. I said, oh. Does that make sense to anybody? There's more 
whatever. There's whatever. There's whatever in Jesus. So I was trying to think, what does this look like in life? You know, like small situations and big situations, what does this new way of thinking look like? How could it impact like today or tomorrow? So I thought, had the stop between services. Sometimes, growing up in Pella, I would get really frustrated by Sunday drives because I would get behind the person on the Sunday drive. You know what I mean? Just driving and looking, going 15. Like, you think, if I go around, can I? No, it's going to take longer. I'll stay. So I thought about just today. What if today? Thinking, seeing differently. This is just small. What if you're with someone and you want to get somewhere, but you're behind the Sunday drive? And today, you just join them with the person next to you. What if you just enjoy the moment? What if you, what if you pay attention to what's changed around town or whose flowers are growing and whose aren't? You know what I mean? <laughs> just a small, but like present. There's maybe, God, I'm doing this because I want, I, want, I want to be here with you and with this person, right? And then you're content and a good thing happens because instead of rushing, getting frustrated, Look for next to you and say, hey, hey, how are you? That would, be, that, that would change today, right? That would change my relationship. That would change my relationship. It would change yours, thinking differently. Then as I was getting ready for today, so that's small. And I was thinking big. Because, I don't know, um, I told my wife, and it was a series that's called How Joyful People Think, How Joyful Flourish. And uh, I don't know, this week I have not felt particularly joyful. I've been sad this week. I've just been sad. Because I know people that I love and people that I care about who are walking through hard things. So I've just felt sad. So I've like, God, what do I, what do, I do with that? And he said, Clayton, I think, look at how they're doing it. Look at how they're doing it. They are, they are just sowing seeds everywhere they go. Have you noticed, Clayton, their different way of thinking through incredibly difficult circumstances? And I was like, I, I found myself... This morning, just so thankful for a bunch of you who are showing young people like me what it means to follow Jesus. Because in this world, we will have trouble. But I watch people who have said, but take heart. He has overcome the world. I'm going to invite the band up. So we're inviting all of us this summer to continue. If, you are in, if you're already in Christ, if you believe in him, this has already begun. If this hasn't begun yet for you, it could. Last week I said it. It's not here today, but there was a baptismal right here. Right here. What if so many people 
His lives are being changed. That it was always here. And last week I got to have a conversation with two people who said, my life has changed. I want to be baptized. So I offer it again. At the end of the summer, we're going to have an opportunity. And I, I mean, what if, what if there's no message that Sunday? Because there's so many people who are moving from death to life, who have had an encounter with God, who now know God, and are saying, everything I do now, is, it's changing. I'm changing all the time. And I want to show, I want to celebrate it with you all so that more of us can have that same change. So we're inviting you this summer into whatever. Amen? Let's pray. I said earlier, God, I just love how big you are, that there's always more in you. There's more to learn, more to know. You are so exciting. You're just so big. So here as we worship, can I invite all of us to, to recognize how big you are, to really just worship, to worship in a different way, just here for a moment, because we're recognizing how big and how great and how grand and how loving and how kind, how holy, how other you are. So I don't know, God, I, I pray that we worship from our toes all the way up through our hands because you are worthy, 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 holy, 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 of, worthy of all of our praise. Amen.